1: Let's go, Giants fans, Giants nation. It's New York Training Camp Live, your Odyssey apps, exclusive New York Giants Monday and Friday Training Camp Live show every Monday and Friday, 2 30 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Odyssey Lap app, not lap. We don't anybody sitting on laps right now. Take a lap. Joe Judge said to take a, the take a lap. lap. Joe Judge takes this <laughs> to take a lap. Subscribe, obviously, if you're here, you know, subscribe to WFAN where you get all of the new audio, digital, I guess data, whatever you want to call it, new endeavors that we're doing. This is Sean Morash, of course, the host of G-Wiz, host on WFAN, part of CBS Sports Radio as well. And today, a couple special guests. In my opinion, like the stage of doing Giants podcast is talking Giants. It's talking Giants versus the world. Bobby Skinner and Justin Panic from obviously John Boy Media. And John Boy Media getting a lot of WFAN runs, so what a better time. Then now to bring them in and talk a little Giants Browns and preview. Bobby, Justin, thanks
0: guys for joining us. Well, thank you. you. Anytime someone says talking Giants versus the world, it gets puts a little smile on my face, <laughs> and it's nice that the the outcasts, you know, uh, of John Boy Media get to finally join the join the fam. I mean, yeah. I, I,
1: yeah. Unfortunately, you're on the digital side of things, or fortunately, we're just expanding, baby. So this is all a part of it. But really, honestly, great to talk to you guys. And I think the beautiful part before we start breaking down Giants Browns. Look, there's a zillion podcasts out there about everything and anything, including every one of the teams in the national football league. And I think the beautiful thing is anybody who I've encountered, who's doing one of these giants podcasts now, because look, there's plenty to get into, you know, while it's all technically competition, we're all giants fans in that themselves. So everybody roots for each other. We all like talking to each other. So I think that part is really cool. It's not like, Oh, you don't have them on. You don't want to drive anybody to love them. No, the more giants content, the better. That's the way I look at it. You know, when I was in 1998 sitting there, in my Tyrone Wheatley jersey, I would have loved for this much Giants stuff to listen to all the time. But I think really you guys have absolutely set the standard. When I was asked to do, G Wiz WFAN, obviously the radio home of the New York Giants, wanted to expand their Giants coverage, came to me, Sean, look, you're a Giants guy, can you do a Giants podcast? I said, if I'm doing it, I got to do it right, and the only podcast I need to follow and take breadcrumbs from is you guys at Talking Giants. So seriously, thank you guys for joining us. You really have set the standard. But now, enough of that. You know, Yeah,
0: enough stuff. buttering us up. Say something Let's mean, go. Let's please.
1: Go. Let's go. First of all, well, you know what? You want to say something mean? Before we get into Giants-Browns, Bobby, you show up to FanFest, first of all, and for people who don't know now that they're seeing you, you're enormous. I mean, honestly, you would be better than Kenny yeah. Wiggins at Wright Garden. <laughs> a pocket T-shirt and board shorts at giants Fan Fest. Can we get, you know? Come you guys on. have a million of your talking Giants shirts. Can I get a Jersey Boys shirt on you, or at least a jersey or
0: something? I know I screwed I screwed up packing, you know, from Florida. The board shorts were going to happen no matter what, but I did. I will say I bought a, a giant shirt when I when I got in there. Okay. Once I sweat through my you know my gray t shirt. All right. Uh, I mean, I could. I mean, I'm I'm rocking the New Jersey Net shirt today. I could have. I, I definitely screwed up because we were we were running late. Well, I was gonna we were gonna stop at the at my hotel, but Justin was uh, worried we were gonna be late, so we didn't <laughs> get the stop.
2: I was an anxious. I was an anxious Nelly. Let that entire forty-eight hours leading up to Fan Fest that something was going to go wrong. Um, and Bobby's also just like not a fan of our store for some reason, which I need to convince him <laughs> to be more of a fan. Yeah, for sure,
0: for sure. I'm just a, but the short, the board shorts. I mean, that is my life is board shorts every single day. He's a Florida guy. Florida okay. guy. Yeah, It's really it. what it comes down He's to. He's a Florida man.
1: All right, well, guys, look. This week, joint practices in Cleveland. I got my buddy Ken Carmen, who hosts uh, mornings ninety two three Fan in Cleveland texting me all day yesterday live from the practice all you've talked about is your secondary we're burning your secondary Yeah, it's easy when there's not bump and rub coverage in these stupid joint practices I know everybody's overly excited because we really didn't get to see much of any of the starters other than the offensive line in week one versus the Jets and we're hoping although Joe Judge just spoke a little while ago and talked about how he's still unsure depending on reps how many starters we will see play on Sunday afternoon How do you guys feel about all these joint practices? Justin, I know you're heading to New England next week to check out some of these joint practices. To me, I find them to be like, that's fine, but the overreactions on Twitter, like every one of these live training camps have been, have nauseated me. Just because the Giants' D-backs have struggled. Like, I can't take that nonsense on Twitter and freaking out fan bases versus other teams in joint practices.
2: I like that they're coming against these two particular teams, though, because the Browns are a pretty good team to kind of begin with, right? And Kevin Stefanski is one of the more advanced offensive minds out there. And then also with the Patriots, you know, I guess we'll stick with the Browns for, for a second anyway, you know, getting to go up against competition or even just comparing notes, comparing rosters. I mean, Dave Gettleman mentioned in this near, in as close as this nearest press conference that happened just a couple of days ago, that they are going to be evaluating guys on the Browns roster. They are going to be evaluating guys on the Patriots roster and the Browns, you know, at least their starting offensive line is pretty darn good. It's, it's arguably the best in the NFL. So if they're going to have some backups that can't make the team, the giants may look to uh, go into that well, and they're going to be getting a good look at these guys during these joint practices. So yes, the overreactions on Twitter, that of course does suck, but I love that they are getting out there. And, you know, a couple years ago, when we, when it was with Pat Shermer, it was against the Bengals, and it's like, well, you know, they're they're not that great of a team. I think that was the year before they got Joe Burrow, anyway. So, but the fact that they're doing it against the Browns and the Pats, and they're two very different teams, and they're two well coached teams, that gets me excited.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I look, uh, the one thing I'll say is the two biggest weaknesses for a long time, and you could argue differences this year. Giants offensive line, we will say it till we throw up. Although I'm a lot higher on the offensive line, I think than most people are. And the pass rush. Well, it's very hard to judge who's gotten better on a pass rush and an offensive line if both sides of that haven't been good and now they're going up against this, which is fine. But again, the overreactions have sickened me. Where do you guys stand on playing the starters here versus Cleveland and even versus New England? Because to me, I've kind of come around to I'm okay if the starters are doing these joint practices and don't play a lot of these preseason games, although I would like the mental aspect of Saquon getting a carry or two just to take those hits. But I don't know, man. I flipped to the way I felt about the preseason from the last two years. I know we didn't play last year. I'm cool if we don't see any of these guys in the preseason really that matter.
0: Yeah, With DJ, if he doesn't play like this week, cool. But like the next week when they, you know, supposed to be like the dress rehearsal, especially for quarterback because you just don't get touched in practice, you know, and part of of that is not even just like getting a hit in. It's more of like it's a lot easier to rifle a ball and when you're, not having to worry about getting hit, you know, like that Baker Mayfield like touchdown yesterday. Like you look at the video of it, like oh, that would have been an easy sack. Now, granted, if anything, Daniel Jones doesn't care about hits enough, but you know, it's, it's good to get that in. And then I agree with you on Saquon that I would like him to get three, three, give, give him, give him three carries and a couple blocking plays to break, break off, you know, to shake off the rust. Be- get
1: him thinking about it, just something, something. Yeah, I
0: mean, you, you don't want him having those thoughts in Week One when it matters, you know, like if. If now, if he's not fully healthy, don't do it. Obviously, I'm not saying force him out there. But if he's fully healthy and cleared, which I don't think he will be next week, yeah, why not? It's like if I don't think five carries in a preseason or five snaps, where he's three carries and two blocking plays in a preseason game, is going to make the difference—the difference of him being injured or not injured.
1: So. On another note on this, a guy we definitely aren't going to see, I don't think at all in the preseason. I would hope for New England. I heard Dan Duggan on with you guys talk about the COVID symptoms, and that's Kadarius Tony, our first-round pick. <laughs> Just this morning on the DA show on CBS Sports Radio, we've been doing a Sounds of Saturday segment because we cover everything nationally. We're doing all the top 25 college football teams, their play-by-play voices throughout the month of August. So we did the Florida Gators today. And, you know, after we get done previewing the Florida Gator season, I had to throw a homework question in there. This guy's seen Kadarius Tony's entire college career. We haven't – all we've seen is basically bad news surrounding him since he's been drafted. It was Mick Hubert, the voice of the Florida Gators, and he basically said that, you know, what, like we knew, Tony was very immature early in his his college career, and the light bulb went off, oh, I I could play on Sundays, so now let me get my act together last year. And he said ultimately, yeah, you know, he has all the speed in the world, but is he going to fall back into a little bit of that, what he had early in his college career, now that he's already made it to the NFL – and he told me that his fear for Kadarius Toney is one of those guys where he, he won't end up getting it or succeeding it in the NFL until he's already at his second stop. Scared the daylights out of me hearing the voice of the Florida Gators who knew him better than any of us would know him say that. I officially am a little alarmed, and I know you can't help the COVID situation. Some of these things were stupid, the cleats and everything else. But at some point, like when you have this many things go wrong ahead of getting on this team on opening day, I don't know, man. This is all sitting very negative with me with Kadarius Tony now
0: it's just a matter of planning, like getting it, like it's important yep. just to practice. Like it's practice exactly is important. Absolutely. Like it yeah. just, and it's, it's, that's why I'm a little weirded out by it. It's like, okay, you got COVID, like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions in this country. I don't, I don't know the numbers. I'm sounding like an idiot, but have gotten it. You know, it's like my, my parents are vaccinated. They got it. Like people get it, but, but the they were ramping is- up.
1: Yeah. probably the problem is it's not just the COVID. You know what I mean? Like we had those things that we wrote off as not big deals. And maybe everything in a vacuum individually is not a big deal with Kadarius, Tony, but now the sample size of it is, you know, at some point there's got to be something here that's Tony's fault that we're not seeing him on the field. And maybe that's unfair right now, but it's just, it's, you don't know I even mean? too much has gone wrong
0: here. Well, what weirds me out is they were ramping him back up and now it's like they've shut him down, which de- yeah. like, it's like, you know, we understood the ramp up period, but now it's like, they stopped. It's almost like they stopped the ramp up period where he's out. So I, I don't know. I feel like something's going on that we don't know. I've tried prying to figure out what the deal is. There's got to be something they're hiding with Kadarius. I I don't get it. Um, And also,
2: just without personal judgment though i mean cuz that's really you know the thing that we when when we're in a position like this where we're talking about it and you know you have eyeballs on you you don't want to come off as too judgmental but you also want to look at the reality of the situation and say this dude is not on the football field and that's and that's hurting him and i think you did see a little impatience by some of the coaches this week by saying you know what it is just kind of frustrating and he does kind of need to be out here but if it is covid covid is the thing that makes this such a tricky situation because we tried to analyze the Will Hernandez situation last year and say, well, why isn't he on the field? Why isn't he on the field? Is there something that we don't know that's happening off the field? And I guess that was COVID. He kind of you know confirmed that this past offseason. So it's like kind of, I separate the judgment of judging the player right now because we don't know. But also the harsh reality is to say, hey, this dude's a first-round pick. He is expected to do something year one. And the fact that he's not out there it really does kind of hurt us. And
1: the one thing I will say, and the one reason I am extremely positive is the depth of this team is obviously enormously better than it was a couple of years ago. I mean, Devontae Downs running around with the third and fourth teamers at this point is a blessing. Obviously. Thank God. But the fact that basically they could just say, ah, we're going to trade Ozzy got him, And then we'll see what happens here with Josh Jackson. Another one of those moves where you're like, okay, this is obviously a sign of progress. Not many teams can afford to lose significant snaps. If not, you know, multiple games in a season, for their first and third round picks, and that looks let's face it, that seems like it's on the table between Tony and Aaron Robinson right now and survive. Luckily, those are positions of strength with the Giants, so that makes me breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief. Now, if we separate that for a second, Bobby and Justin, you guys are so good at picking apart and dissecting the O line. I mean, when you, Bobby, obviously, you were the guy that Giants fans know to go to for that O line tape. I walked away from that jet game saying, okay, everybody's going to focus on the sack that Matt Parrick gave up. Obviously it was ugly, awful. You cannot have that. We're all expecting big things from him. But ultimately you saw a lot of the same things I saw in that we're so quick to focus on the negative, but damn, Andrew Thomas, Will Hernandez, and Nick Gates all look pretty, pretty good. And while you can't have blow up plays at right tackle, I'm starting to feel more and more confident in this whole line and everything I've read, everybody I've talked to and watching that first preseason game that all right, maybe you have a weak link or two maybe solving all five positions wasn't going to be done at once but maybe it will be done but at least if we're starting to get capable upper half of the league quality play at three positions on the o line they're in position to do that now
0: yeah it's and especially like as as a run blocking unit and like i i've of the opinion that they've improved you know as as a run blocker like andrew thomas is a really good run blocker shane Lemieux is a good run blocker nick gates is Will, and I think Will Hernandez is a better run blocker than Kevin Zeitler. And Matt Parrott definitely a better run blocker than Cam Fleming. So when they're handing the ball off, you know, at Saquon. Like, I am very excited for running plays this year. And I, I have I, I had a I had faith in Thomas and Gates coming into the season. Hernandez has, has, like, a baseline that I was okay with. Parrott's the one that scares me, though. Like, I am scared. Like, that sack does worry me. It doesn't mean the sky's falling and, you know, like, it was his third play and, and they're shaking off the rust a little bit. Um, and apparently, he was supposed to have a chip on that play. If he if he gets that chip, we never we never think about it, even though it was a bad play. So I am worried about Matt Parrick because him, you know, the right tackle's pass rusher being in Daniel Jones' lap all year can nuke this offense. You know, where if he's if he's average, then the expectations have to be there have to be real expectations for the offense if they're just in his lap, uh, you know, every single week, especially on third downs. When you have to, you know, hold your block for more than two seconds. That's what worries me. But overall, you know, you, I I feel better about it than I did going in, I would say. Except for Matt Perry.
1: So I would say this to both of you guys. We have Daniel Jones, who people have a lot of questions about. I'm a Daniel Jones fan and a believer. I think a lot of people tend to watch Red Zone and read stats way too much in national media and don't watch giant games full on. And they miss a lot of the good things Daniel Jones does. Obviously, the Evan Ingram drops concern you and Kyle Rudolph and, who knows when he comes back here, and the offensive line questions. I would think those are three enormous question marks. They all happen to be on one side of the ball. What question mark worries you the most, or what position group worries you the most entering the season?
0: Are we allowed to say offensive coordinator? Yeah, Yeah, that's going to be my thing.
1: That's a given. You (laughs) you can't trust Jason Garrett in 2021 to run an offense. No question about it. I I mean, I'm going to try to take Garrett out of this and just say, we have to defy the odds of Jason Garrett. Because just like we know the secondary could be a top 10 secondary, top 5, maybe the best secondary in football, all things go according to plan. There are weaknesses on this team of position groups. I'm just going to – I'll lay it out there for you. Actually, the tight ends worry me the most. The Evan Ingram hmm. fluff another sandwiches we've gotten about him being a pro bowler Look, we can make all the jokes about the drops you want. The fact of the matter is, he led the league in net points lost of any player on a field last year in, in football. And the Giants are in the playoffs, weak division, whatever, if Evan Ingram isn't on the field. We signed Kyle Rudolph to alleviate that. Bobby, you on the Talking Giants podcast have alluded to that you think there will be a lot of splits between, obviously, Rudolph and Ingram and Ingram not just getting all those reps. Right now, with Rudolph nowhere near close to that field, I like Caden Smith, I'm sorry, I think put all the eggs in the Evan Ingram basket again to start this year versus teams, by the way, where you're going to need to chip block a lot on these pass rushers early. The tight end group actually scares me more than the old line does right now in the quarterback.
2: You know, and the problem with Evan Ingram last year was that every single 20-plus yard play that Ingram had last year, none of them came from when his hand was in the dirt pre-snap. Every single one was when he was lined up out wide not as maybe technically a wide receiver, but he was just lined up out wide and 11 personnel. So really you can't rely on Evan Ingram as like this intermediate Jason Witten prototypical tight end that Jason Garrett does want. I don't think you can rely on him in that regard. You know, you did see some explosive plays in Pat Schirmer's offense when, when Evan Ingram was a prototypical tight end. And that's why the signing of Kyle Rudolph made so much sense. But if he's not here to start, then what kind of role, does Evan Ingram have, you know, because then we're talking about Caden Smith and Cole Hickettini, and then, you know, possibly the, ju- the Giants are going to be looking at,
1: I just want Cole Higgitini to make the team, by the way, so I could buy his jersey. That's a great last name to have in the back. Of the that's a, it's
2: an awesome last yeah. name, right? But you know, then you're, the Giants are possibly, if they don't want Cole Higgitini to make the fifty-three, then they're looking for another acquisition that they're going to have to make post fifty-three man cut. Like they're going to be looking already for the offensive line. I
1: was just say if only Kelvin Benjamin didn't go to Chipotle every day after.
0: <laughs> Stealing Kennedy. food from the cafeteria.
1: Right. it's amazing, it's amazing. Yeah, how great was how great was that fake story, but he fell for. That I mean, isn't that funny, too, when you think about the Kelvin Benjamin? There actually would have been room for him to make this team had he just done what was asked for him for three months, which is crazy to think about because it seemed like such a long shot. Uh, Bobby, I saw you just broke this down a little bit on Twitter, at Bobby Skinner underscore. Your things you're looking for in this Browns preseason game specifically, what's the watch for?
0: So, Ted Larson, you know, that move, like it happened on the day of FanFest, so we kind of forgot about it and he didn't play in the preseason game. It's. I said it when I was talking with um, Duggan last night. I was like, "It's kind of sad." I watched his one half of football last um, last night in the playoff game versus Washington, and he gave up two sacks. And I was like, "This is still better than Kenny Wiggins." Um,
1: Feet so so slow. Kenny
0: Wiggins' feet so slow. It's. I've.
1: How bad was Zach Fulton looking that Kenny
0: Wiggins was getting these reps over? And I tweeted that right when. When Lemieux went down, I was like, that's kind of weird. Like, Zach Fulton started a lot of games. You know, like, there was an idea that he might be battling for a starting job regardless. I mean, Zach Fulton must have come in, like, just bad. Because it just doesn't make any sense that Kenny Wiggins. Like, if you, if you... Zach Fulton gave him a ton of sacks last year. You watch him last year versus what Kenny Wiggins looked at. It's like, oh, Zach Fulton's like, clearly superior. So, I don't know what happened with that. So, but Ted Larson, to see if he's just competent. Because we can't have Kenny Wiggins being the first guard off the bench. And I think Aziz, like Makai Becton, I'm a big fan of his, isn't a great uh, barometer for Aziz Ojalari. because he's just like what Aziz Ojolari kind of struggled with is like, you know those like uh, guys that he can't bull rush, um, or, or you know can protect the edge. But I think Jedrick Wills is a really good barometer to see where Aziz Ojolari is and see what we expect out of him. So I, I'm really looking forward to, you know, one he was like the only one of the only stars out there last week, so I was focusing in on, on him. In on him a lot, but I'm going to definitely focus in on him again. And then also Tay Crowder, like the Carter Coughlin hype is real, you know. Like, like yeah. if 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 he can go out there and have another good outing, like there's no reason to to stop him from winning that inside linebacker two spot. And Tay Crowder, a guy I like, like go out there and, and show why that's your job still. So those would probably be my three things, besides like Matt Parr, you know, which is like obvious.
1: Yeah, which is obviously obvious. Justin, what are you looking for in this game?
2: You know, Giants just traded this week for Josh Jackson. They also just traded for Keon Crossan, you know, two. One of them, Crossan being the majority special teams guy, but Gettleman kind of referred to him as being, as providing some sort of value at the line of scrimmage as a corner, as a Kana, he likes to say. And Josh Jackson definitely, he has somewhat of a ceiling to be cornerback depth here so i'm looking at madre harper you know madre harper is a guy who is physical and some fans actually do like if you watch cornerback film you know if you're one of those people that like to do that so some fans do like madre harper so he's kind of like on the outside looking in um raymond johnson had a really really good game last week at interior defensive line as well and he's he was my favorite undrafted free agent coming out of this year's class which only included three undrafted free agents which kind of stinks but team was already kind of loaded with uh round 90 guys but raymond johnson interior defensive lineman takes a lot of guts to wear that number 91 and he looked pretty good last week getting a couple quarterback hits on zach wilson and on the offensive side of the ball cole hickettini you know cole hickettini is my guy to watch out for because you have rudolph who's going to be out we don't know how much the starters are going to play so if hickettini is healthy you know i know he went down with the hip against the jets last week and then also he suffered a little bit of an injury uh on Thursday in practice. So, if he does play, he's going to get his reps, and hopefully, we have some better quarterback play this weekend where he gets some targets and also he can uh be pretty solid as a blocker as well. So, let's see it.
1: Uh, so, you bring up, Justin, actually something interesting I wanted to hit on with Bobby as well after listening to you guys' most recent episode of Talking Giants against Bobby Skinner, Justin Penick. Or we are on New York Training Camp Live here, courtesy of the Odyssey app and WFAN. I'm your host, Sean Moresh. Bobby, you brought up. I believe it was being a little uneasy about trading the sixth rounder for crossing. And the only thing I will say, and I don't trust Dave Gettleman still, although I've loved his offseason, I have to give credit where credit's due. This is a real opportunity, this go-around over the next two weeks. He's been wheeling and dealing, and I think that's great. But the Giants now will deal from a position of strength when it comes to cutdowns at the cornerback position. So where I wasn't freaking out when necessarily you were as far as not liking giving up a sixth-round pick, how about the Giants go get a seventh or a sixth back by dealing a corner that they have with depth that might prove themselves over the next two weeks? And I think maybe, hopefully, the saving grace in giving up a sixth-rounder for a guy that's only going to go on, on special teams is they assume they're going to be able to get a late-round pick back by dealing from that position of depth in two weeks.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, like I said, you know, I, I wasn't a fan of it, but I'm also like, it's, it's a sixth-round pick, you know. Like, right. like they drafted Gary Brightwell, who probably won't make the team, and it's like, are, is anybody crying about that draft pick? Besides me, a little bit, um, like you know, I, I care about sixth and seventh rounders more than the average person. Um, but I also it's like, hey, if you can, if you you said we're gonna add a, a for a sixth rounder, we're gonna get someone who's gonna be on this team. He's gonna make the team. It's a guarantee, and he's gonna add value on special teams. I'm not just saying special teams because you don't know if he's good at anything else. Then I think most people sign up for it. Um, so you know, like I said, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm not I'm not mad at it. Um, but yeah, I mean, for sure they're gonna be wheeling and dealing, man. I really think a trade for an offensive lineman's coming. Not a starter. But I like. I mean, really, they admitted it. I mean, admitted it. Yeah, and, and people have, like, hinted at it without saying it. Like, I... Because, I mean, I I love the idea of waiting until cutdowns, but who's cutting good O-line depth? Now, I'm sure we'll add someone within that, and it'll be, like, better than most of our other depth. But, like, I don't think on 53-man cutdown day, we're going to add some great, like, okay, this guy, we feel good about being the first guy off the bench.
1: No, it needs to be a situation. I forgot the guy, was it Was it Slosson a couple of years ago? Either the Packers or the Bears cut somebody who I wanted the Giants to sign at the time. And I remember thinking he got cut because of the cap casualty that a young guy step up, and that's going to bother me all day if I don't remember who it was. I believe it was the Packers, maybe the Bears signed him. Whatever, that doesn't matter. But the point is, that's the kind of scenario you would need to unfold. But at this point, we've kind of already seen those kind of moves. Now, as far as the – we've all talked about the the positivity, 17-game schedule, all right. Here's the truth of the matter, and, and tell me how you guys feel. Look, we've gotten off to all these slow starts. I'm so tired of being 0-1-1. I'm so tired of being 0-1. Matter of fact, I was thrilled when I saw the Denver Broncos were coming into MetLife in week one. I was like, all right, you know what? The Giants need a game like this. This is the type of, like, build build it on, you know what I mean, building block game in week one. The first month of the season to play the Broncos at home, to play Washington, and look, I'm excited. I want to see how they match up versus Washington. Let's face it, we still own them. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's you know boomer bust. Then you talk about Atlanta, who the Giants should be better than. Then you talk about New Orleans, no Michael Thomas. What the heck's going on at the quarterback position? What level of panic would you be if the Giants are two and two or less? I really think this team needs to be three and one or four and zero oh, coming out of the four. And I'm tired of hearing that that's too optimistic.
0: No, it's not uh, two and two. I I wouldn't be panicked. One and three would be like, oh god, this is bad. Yep. You know, it, it, it would. It all depends on how it happens. You know. It's you know. It's easy. It's always hard to be like, all right, if we're one and three. It's like, well, how did we go one and three? Is it because Daniel Jones? Is it because, you know, so and so happened? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's time to win. Like, it is time to win. Like, I, and I have been more positive on Gettleman than the majority of people, but it's year four. If you're not winning games and being a winning team, a team that is above 500, winning a team, there's no excuses. And injuries can't be a part of those excuses. And if you want to say, well, it's the offense coordinator, well, you brought him in, you kept him for another year. If you want to? If it's Daniel Jones' fault, well, you're the guy who drafted Daniel Jones. If you're going to be like, well, the the pieces around Daniel Jones weren't good enough, the offensive line wasn't good enough, well, that's Dave Gelman's fault. So it's, I don't care how they get to it. I do. I want to win Week One so bad. Like just give, like you said, give. Let us start the season off on a positive. I don't care if it's the ugliest win in the world. Just give me a win. But yeah, I mean, it, they have to be a team, a winning team this year. There's no excuse for them to not be a winning team this year.
2: Yeah, and also as a regular season ticket holder myself, the most exciting game that you know I, I've been to in a while was 2019 Week Five against the Vikings, where the Giants were two and two. They won two games, you know, one against Tampa, one against uh, Washington. The week after at home, that was Daniel Jones's first home start. And then we're looking at that Week Five game. You know, hey, you know, then we're playing New England next week. We could be 500 in the month of October. And besides twenty sixteen, when have the New York football giants been relevant and in the conversation in the middle of October, beginning of October, definitely November.
1: That's all I mean. (laughs) Was that the Ryan Connolly got hurt game?
2: I I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. think so, yeah. Because that was following the Washington game, which he had a really good game and then he gets hurt, you know, because they, you know, they were running those crossing routes all game and Kirk Cousins was carving us up. Anyway, but you know, that's I want relevant New York Giants football in the month of November, not just October this year. I want n- relevant New York football Giants football in the month of November and not just because you know we're in a lackluster NFC, you know, NFC East because that's really that's really when the season picked up last year when Giants fans started to realize that hey, this NFC East is really bad, that's when we start to feel better about the right. team. And, of course, they did start to play better too. But, you know, give me relevant football in November.
1: Geez, Ryan Conley. And I know you guys would love this before we wrap here. I'm in Florida in February. I see a guy wearing a New York Islanders hat by, like, the, the pool with an Older dude. I'm like, wow, somebody else. I'm from Long Island. Somebody else from Long Island here. So I just yell, Islanders suck. Let's go Rangers, right? This guy looks over to me and goes, Ah, oh, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm like let's go Rangers. We're an Islander. He goes, oh, no, my son plays for the Islanders. Turns out his son was Anders Lee, the captain of the New York Islanders. Or his grand – I'm sorry, his grandson. His other grandson is Ryan Connolly. They happen to be cousins. Ryan Connolly is cousins with Anders Lee, the captain of the Islanders. I get to talking, whatever. He sees my – I have a Giants tattoo on my arm. Sees, we start talking Giants. Gave me the whole rundown about how bad Gettleman mishandled and mistreated his grandson. It was – dude, it was gold stuff about how they knew that Connolly couldn't basically play all last year. The Giants, lie, you know, told him a bunch of crap and everything else. But it was Ryan Connolly. Every time I think of that game, I think of the injury. I have, I think of this conversation when thinking what could have been. But luckily, like we have Tay Crowder, Carter Coughlin, it kind of eased the pain a little bit of losing
0: a yep. Ryan Connolly. All Can right, I ask go. you a question? You mentioned the Rangers. I'm a Devils fan. Okay. And I, I don't like, you know, I, I know the majority of my audience are Rangers fans. Like it's why I don't tweet about the Nets a ton because, like, you know what? It's just I'm annoying a Nets to have Nick. By the way, I'm a Nets fan. So Very I'm- good. Okay, but, so you know that if you, you know. The Knicks fans are just incessant, like, in your mentions. It was like, I, I tweet about them in the playoffs when it's like, I don't care what matters. I'm, I'm hyped up. Right, exactly. You
1: know um, Who cares? Well, first of all, we're on ABC and TNT all the time. Enjoy MSG.
0: Exactly. And it's like, I kind of like it that way. It's like, I feel yeah. special. I'm like one of the few Nets fans. Right. Um, like I said, and back to the New Jersey days. But why does Henrik Lundqvist get treated like he's a champion?
1: Well, I think that a lot of Ranger fans, and even people around hockey, would say, if you looked over hockey the last 15 years, there's probably very few more deserving people to win a Stanley Cup that didn't, other than him. And also, I think just the idea that he won the gold medal on a. I know, and it only totally matters in hockey. I think the gold medal stuff is so stupid. But in the Olympics that year, Sweden was not supposed to be a gold medal, and they won because he was that unbelievable. So I think he's thought of as a champion actually because of what he did for the country, of Sweden. And also, the Rangers came off a decade of never making the playoffs, and Henrik Lundqvist took over between the pipes. They didn't. It's not like they had these unbelievable scores that they were running away with games. In fact, now it's ironic. The Rangers have a ton of scoring and they can't do anything else because they Henrik Lundqvist in his prime. So I think it's just that. But, I, yeah, I agree. The King stuff, the –
0: yeah, I can see – Like, he's great. He, and I don't know hockey well yeah, but it's like the, I understand he's great champion, right, exactly. but it's it's very un-New York like to like kind of honor someone who didn't win a championship like that Yeah
1: but I think it's kind of like a Patrick Ewing type of thing I think that's that's exactly it it's one of those That's fair that's fair
2: Also the Mets the you know you go to you go to City Field and all that they're doing is celebrate in 2015 now, like look, they like they won the World Series too so. Look, the,
1: if the Giants ever ever in their <laughs> ring of honor put up a banner because we were a wild card team the way the Mets have done that at City Field I would honestly throw up that would that no. would me so much yeah we unfortunately the yep, new york sports we've celebrated a lot of mediocrity it's been a long time since the 2011 giants a decade now let's win some freaking games let's win some freaking games amen look guys go to spotify wherever podcasts are downloadable Check out check out talking giants it's bobby skinner at bobby skinner underscore at justin Penick. they do a great job justin will be in new england next week getting ready for a couple of those practices and getting ready for preseason game number three they do a great job talking giants all season long I'm a big fan of theirs. It was great to have them on New York training camp live today. Guys, thanks so much for joining me. Good luck with the pod. And hey, let's catch up again soon. I'm sure we can do more of this during the season, whether it's through my WFAN shows, my WFAN app, over by you guys, WFAN podcast, over by you guys. Let's have some more fun. I appreciate
0: it. Can you hook us up with like a prank call line that we can get on on somehow?
1: <laughs> I don't know. You're going to have to do a little more than just ask now. All right? Okay. All right.
0: Tim from Florida might want to call. Him. Right. take
1: Take care, boys.